0: I'm Hannah. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Juno Bio, and FemTech to me is sequencing the last uncharted microbiome, the vaginal microbiome.
1: Welcome to FemTech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Okay, fans. in today's episode, I interview Hannah Genevdar, the co-founder and CEO of Juno Bio. Juno Bio is decoding the vaginal microbiome, two of my favorite things, with its at-home vaginal microbiome test. To date, there has been very little attention paid to the vaginal microbiome. And even though it has such massive implications for women's health in their lives, that's why this microbe obsessed team from London developed a breakthrough test that decodes your microbes and powers up research for the betterment of everyone with a vagina. Disrupting the vaginal microbiome can cause a lot of terrible things for women, including reoccurring infections to infertility. Trouble is there's a, it's a big black box because Everything there is to know about it is still left on the table. Juno Bio ran the Juno study. Over 1,000 women across the U.S. registered to be a part of the biggest IRB-approved study of its kind to power up women's health research with the richest, most representative repository of vaginal microbiomes. This study shed light on patterns that will raise the standard of care possible for women across the world. You can get your vaginal microbiome test done today at Juno.bio, that's J-U-N-O.bio, B-I-O, and use promo code FEMTECH, because I always got your back. Use promo code FEMTECH for 20% off your kit. That's Juno.bio, promo code FEMTECH for 20% off. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Hannah, welcome to the show.
0: Hi Brittany, thanks for having me. Absolutely, where are you calling in from today? So right now I'm in London, Um, good old rainy stormy London, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, And where are you normally based?
0: Um, So Oakland, so all of our labs and our operations is in the Bay Area, so um, yeah, about 10 hours away from where we are right now.
1: Nice, yeah. So you are uh, Juno Bio is a U.S. based company targeting and serving the U.S. market right now.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All
1: right. So listeners, don't get uh, UK, you know, our British ladies and men that listen, don't get too too excited. Uh, it seems like they're they're in the U.S. right now, but you're probably planning UK soon enough, considering you have roots there, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. And we do a lot of work here in the UK too, but right now, with majority, but for the most part, focused on the on the U.S.
1: Yeah, well, let's kick off this interview with learning more about you and your background. Um, I'm so eager to understand how you went from the UK to the US and then you're back in London. So, uh, tell us more about your story. Where are you from? What did you study? Have you did you have a career before getting into this? Or you know, tell us how you got here.
0: Yeah. So, well, to start off, I'm actually from Afghanistan. So. Um, for me uh women's health and women's rights are sort of in my very dna in the core of what i what i think is right and fair in the world um but when i our family moved here when i was 5 years old and i grew up here in london and studied here i went to imperial college london and then university college london and i studied biology and then biochemical engineering and to me one of the most fascinating things and i think in part because You know, I have this sort of like immigrant background is knowing what makes us human, you know, and why are we here and all the rest of it. And so for me, biology was always, always fascinating for that reason. And then as I started studying it at Imperial and found that you can actually make things with it, it's not just something that you learn for the intellectual sort of um, satisfaction. um, I fell into biochemical engineering. And biochemical engineering for me is fascinating. It's all about how do you build bioreactors and production processes and get things, you know, from from the bench to to actual people, right, Uh, using them. And one of the really fascinating problems in biochemical engineering is how do you scale personalized medicine and how do you scale the need for, you know, personalized fermentation processes, et cetera. And so one of my very first questions was why on earth do you need to do that? Why on earth would anyone need a personalized, you know, microbial concoction? And that's how I learned about microbiomes and the fact that 56% of our cells are, you know, they're not, not human, they're microbial and they have a huge impact on our health and wellness. And I started to work in that space. And so one of the more prominent things that I did was in the lab, optimizing someone else's soil microbiome derived consortia of microbes. So I was trying to get these microbes to behave and clean the wastewater that they were processing in three days as opposed to three weeks. And so five, six years ago when I was doing this, there was all of this incredible amount of research and commercialization of almost every single aspect of microbiomes that you can think of. So, like the soil, a lot in the gut, the skin, everything. But nobody was meaningfully working on the vaginal microbiome or the microbiome as it pertains to women's health.
1: Of course and not. Because and- dirt, yeah. <laughs> dirt, it comes above women's health, apparently. You know, it's like, what's more what do people value more vaginas or dirt (laughs) right like that's literally what we're what we're talking about here and really quickly for our listeners when you say microbes what are what are microbes
0: so microbes are bacteria they're fungus or yeast it's the same thing they're viruses they're all the little organisms that are that that live in and around us in these like tiny little communities that's what microbes and microbiomes are
1: And a microbiome, is there more to it than here's like a collection of it? Is it more like it's a community of it? So what's the difference between here's a dirty tabletop with bacteria and viruses on it versus a biome?
0: Yeah, so a microbiome you know, does focus on the fact that it is a community of microbes, then they live together and they interact with each other and they rely on each other. And so, you know, even a dirty table will have some sort of microbiome. But instead of just, you know, focusing on microbes individually, a microbiome focuses on it as a collective sort of community and the way that they interact with each other um, and relate to the environment that they're in.
1: Got it. So you're working with these microbiomes, these communities of microbes, bacteria, viruses, fungi. Um, you were looking in yeast or uh, not yeast? Excuse me, soil. So what what evolved next? When you said like, oh, how about vaginal microbiome? What did you find? Did you find anything?
0: Well, well, so you know, in working in the soil, we also worked on a whole bunch of other microbiomes, but this was. You know, personal to me, working in the space and knowing everything about it and the way that it was progressing, I saw this massive sort of gap in people's understanding and also products for the ordinary woman um, when it came to the vaginal microbiome. And it shocked me because it isn't, it affects billions of women, uh, disruptions in these like vaginal microbiomes, and it affects them in a very deep way. And I think a lot of the time people don't realize how deep the the problems around the a disrupted vaginal microbiome is. Um, and also just from a scientific point of view you know when you're talking about the vaginal microbiome there's sort of mechanistic relationships between microbiomes and the conditions that they're associated with in a much more substantial way when it comes to the vaginal microbiome than you have when it comes to the gut microbiome or, or elsewhere so to me it was it was shocking because you know it's scientifically ready to be taken forward it affects billions of people but nobody was working on it in a meaningful way. And so that's why I formed Juno, to close that gap that I was seeing. And I'm very, very excited to see this area flourish and to have, you know, more people focusing on it uh, and to also have, you know, Juno's product in the world being used, etc. So that's a little bit of a history of myself and like, you know, the beginnings of Juno.
1: Yeah, and I love that. I, love, I just want to highlight something you said that I think is so important, which is Uh, we're studying the soil microbiome the gut microbiome and yet disruptions in those may have some consequences but they also may not have any consequence and may just be like oh this is the profile that microbiome but when a female's vaginal microbiome is disrupted it's typically disrupting her life right it's like affecting her emotions her obviously her physical health right they're directly corresponding to illness and conditions and you know it's affecting her productivity and so um i i cannot wait until we we get into like what is a disrupted vaginal microbiome and what are the consequences of it first i'd love you to plug juno bio what is juno bio
0: So at Juno Bio, we decode women's health with an at-home vaginal microbiome test. So the vaginal microbiome test that we have right now gives you the most comprehensive and curated insight into what microbes live in your vagina and what it means to you in your unique context. Um, So we, you know, you get a swab in the post at, uh, at home when you order a kit, Uh, A bit like a COVID swab, Um, you swab your vagina for 20 seconds, you pop it back in the post to us, and we return results in five to 10 days, which is the fastest turnaround time in our industry. And once you get your results and you have your answers, you also have a one-on-one with a vaginal coach, which is a term that I love that even exists um, to answer any questions that you might have. We also then anonymize and pool everybody's results to power up further research um, to really close the gender health gap beyond what we have. Uh, and are are doing right now.
1: That is so amazing. I have a lot of questions. Number one is the microbiome inside the vagina, because if you're a listener of the show, we all know vulvas and vaginas and vagina is the whole and vulva is the full thing, right? Like, so what is the microbiome inside the vagina, the same as the biome that may be on the inner labia?
0: It'll be a little different, but we're focused on the microbiome inside the vagina. Because gotcha. you know, when
1: you say vaginal microbiome, you were saying in the hole, your vaginal hole yeah. microbiome. Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm not talking about the vulva. I'm talking about the vagina and the yes. vaginal. I, yeah.
1: I bet you any money, though. I don't know how far your company is in terms of fundraising stuff, though. I bet people most often don't know, realize that. You know that you know you're. Right? In-
0: Sorry to interrupt, but it didn't even occur to me, Brittany, that I should have actually be clarifying that. And now that you've said it, I yeah. think I should be. <laughs> yeah, because
1: yeah, people might think, oh, just wiping, wiping will be, you know, no. uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> reminds me a lot of awkward essentials, the post-sex cleanup sponge, because um, her, their investors were like, well, why can't women just wipe away the cum? And she's like, that's not how holes work. Just wiping the top of a (laughs) hole does not clean the inside of the tube. And they were like, oh, well, okay." so it's like kind of the same here, but, um, uh, all right. All right. So we're talking about the internal vaginal microbiome. What else was I going to ask? Oh, do we have enough data sets yet to know what is a normal vaginal microbiome? Or is that what we're, we're still like collecting the data to even create the standard of healthy?
0: So yes and no. Uh, there is literature and there is a lot of work that helps us paint pictures of what healthy can look like. It is nuanced, though, and there is a strong ethnic component. So if you're a Caucasian woman, your vaginal microbiome and your version of healthy tends to be one sort of group or type or community state type, as it's called in the literature. Or if you're, you know, a woman from my background from the Middle East, it will be slightly different. And then also in America, what we've seen in the the studies, if you're African-American, you can have a vaginal microbiome that, you know, might have been thought, If you were looking at a Caucasian woman, it's like a disrupted vaginal microbiome, but it's actually fine. And so, yes, there is the beginnings of, you know, literature um, showing that there is like what healthy looks like and there is an ethnic component. But what we've found from our data sets at Juno is that you know, these conditions and what healthy looks like is an ongoing sort of characterization. And we've seen microbes that in the literature will have been characterized as like healthy. And we see in our data sets that actually they are consistently associated with um negative symptoms. So we are learning as we go as well.
1: Yeah. I mean you just open my mind to okay, yeah, different ethnicities, but also like um if the woman if it's a woman a girl pre-pubic puberty, right? Because we have the microbes in there prior to puberty, during puberty, during menstruation, during uh, in between periods, menopausal women, pregnant women. Like, I can imagine that each state of a woman's life can have a different manifestation of what her normal vaginal microbiome should be. Is that the case? Do we know yet if they changes throughout her life in different life phases?
0: Yeah, it does change throughout your life. Uh, the ethnic component is the strongest, but as you go through your, you know, life's journey, and you, you know, hit menopause or after menopause um it there is a change of course in your vaginal microbiome um so you're absolutely right and also within your menstrual cycle when you're of reproductive age it does change as well the great thing about the vaginal microbiome though compared to the gut is that it doesn't change quite as significantly or as often uh, as the gut microbiome so you still there's you know there's a, there's a relative you know stability to it so you still learn a fair amount and can action things within a reasonable, you know, window. But you're absolutely right in that of course it it changes throughout, you know, your your life uh, span and during your menstrual cycle as well.
1: probably your lifestyle too, like if you are um at, uh, somebody training for a marathon and you're running a lot or if you're sexually active or not sexually active. I can imagine there's just like so many factors that could change that balance. Um, I've heard that the gut microbiome, you know, there's a lot of research on, are you born with that certain, you know, community of bio bi- microbes are, is it because of the vaginal canal at your birth, then that inoculates you. Is it your, what you're eating? How is the, do we know, by the way, I don't even know if we know I'm asking questions that, well, it might be like the million dollar question, but, um, how is the mat- vaginal microbiome initially started like are we born with it as females that when we're born or is it like our environment gives it to us do we know
0: yeah I, I think everything that I've ever read points to the fact that you're sort of born with it or that you adopt it during that process where you acquire you know even your gut microbiome which you apparently in according to some literature acquire through your mother's um vagina if you're born in that way so um I think the jury is out actually on it but i you know that is like the general trend and what i have read to date let's get a little geeky
1: what are some of the major bacteria fungi or viruses that live in the vagina that we should know about
0: So lactobacillus and the class of bacteria that are called lactobacilli is probably the most important one that people should be familiar with because it's, you know, tends to be the marker of like a healthy vaginal microbiome. And if you're a Caucasian woman, it's lactobacillus crispatus a lot of the time that is like the best one. If you're from my ethnic background, you might have something called lactobacillus inners. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's a type of lactobacillus that's more easily disrupted, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not ideal for you if you are from, you know, my type of ethnic background, but, but lactobacilli and that class of bacteria is the most important one that I think women should really be familiar with as, as a term. Uh, yeah. We know
1: what it does. Is it just hanging out? Is it just going for the ride or like, does it contribute anything?
0: Oh, it contributes in a massive way. So lactobacilli produce lactic acid. And what that does is maintain an environment. So it's a good thing to have this though. It's an environment in which other bacteria that could be invading pathogens can't quite survive as well as they might like to. So, you know, in the ideal scenario, you want to have like a, a lawn of lactobacillus and it will protect you from invading pathogens. Again, this is quite different to the gut microbiome where you want a diversity and you want to have as diverse of a you know, gut microbiome as possible. When it comes to the vagina, you want to have, you know, if, if, you're possible, if it's possible, as much of a lawn as opposed to a jungle of different kinds of microbes.
1: It's like a moat. It's like, like our body's <laughs> built a bacterial moat to protect the womb almost right yeah so it's
0: very, it's a, it has a very protective role in the vagina
1: that is so cool so where does yeast come into this so we know we talk about yeast infections are yeast always there but kind of chill in or like is it when they show up and then they cause havoc
0: so they are there, but they'll be there in, in a very small quantity. And whenever they get the opportunity to increase, so whenever you know the, vag- the vagina is disrupted in some way uh, and not in a you know optimal way, they will increase in number and change form, and then you'll get something uh, called like a yeast infection. Um, so they are there, but like the threshold at which they're present is is a lot lower like in a normal sort of vag- vaginal microbiome state.
1: How do vaginal microbiomes get disrupted? Because um, I feel like there are one-off situations where like, like for myself, thank the gods, the you know, Artemis and all of the other gods, the female gods of the world, because thank God, I, <laughs> I rarely get yeast infections. I rarely get UTIs. I'm knocking on wood right now but I, I have had them, but they were very much caused by an incident, right? Like I was in high school and I was on the basketball team and like, we were in a tournament and I didn't shower enough, right? Like it was a very obvious, like, oh yeah, this is what happened. But then I have some friends that it's, it's like a chronic yeast infection, chronic UTI. So how does it, how does your vaginal microbiome get disrupted in these different ways?
0: I mean, when the first time your vaginal microbiome gets disrupted, it could be a, a, a number of reasons, but two of the most prevailing is an overuse of antibiotics. So you might have had antibiotics for, you know, another reason, but what that does is it depletes the good bacteria in your in your vagina and it allows for the bad bacteria or the bad yeast to, to grow. And so you'll have things like a yeast infection um and bacterial vaginosis and sometimes a uti can occur because of a, a, a vaginal microbiome that's disrupted and some you know you, you people have to know that a vagina and a urethra are separate sort of areas Yeah, two different holes which sometimes needs to be clarified but um the vagina does act as a reservoir that reinfects the urethra. So things like recurring UTIs can sometimes be down to a a vaginal microbiome that's disrupted. So it could be an overuse of antibiotics and that happens a lot. Um, The other is, you know, sometimes it's unprotected sex and sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's sort of, you know, what I call suboptimal practices so like you know maybe not showering up but that's not something i hear very often um or you know just better practices that could be could be implemented but antibiotics and um, unprotected sex are maybe two of the most common causes of a disrupted vaginal microbiome i would say um but when it turns into something chronic or when it turns into something that's recurrent It's often because it's not diagnosed properly and not treated properly. And so it just keeps coming back again and again. Bacterial vaginosis is a condition that occurs when the vaginal microbiome is disrupted. And it occurs, you know, 30% of women will have it every single year, at least one bout. And 10% of women in the US have it recurrently. So that's, you know, four times or more a year. So it's a really large proportion of women that are not either being diagnosed properly or treated properly for just one condition uh, associated with the vaginal microbiome. And so getting it right is really, really important because there's not much you can do when your vagina's on fire.
1: I mean, preach. That's literally. <laughs> yeah. If a male investor had a yeast infection for a day, all these solutions would be overfunded because um, it's miserable. How is it being diagnosed today?
0: So the gold standard right now is a culture-based test. There's the four criteria that need to be met, but essentially it's a culture-based test. And what that means is, if you're lucky enough to be taken seriously and the doctor takes a swab and doesn't just base it on you telling the doctor about your symptoms, um, the swab will be sent to the lab and they will try and grow the microbes and look at it down, you know, look at it just like physically, phenotypically. Um, The problem with that, of course, is that the majority of bacteria cannot be cultured in the lab. So you never really have a good view of what was on that swab and so things like a pcr test which is not the gold standard it's like advanced compared to what the gold standard is, um, might be helpful because it'll help you look at like a handful of microbes right in, in a very targeted way but even that is a little problematic here because you know if the conditions not characterized properly as we know that they aren't and you miss a lot of the bacteria, that you never even knew to look for, then a lot of tests come back negative or you get the wrong diagnosis and therefore the wrong treatment. And therefore the one of the highest recurrence rates in medicine.
1: My gosh. And I just want to break down a little bit of the science C words you just used. So for yeah. those culturing a cell line in laboratory and why can't, most bacteria can't live in a cell and laboratories because a laboratory is very different than your vagina. And so not everything that grows in your vagina, scientists can just grow in a flask. So that's the difference there. So you're saying we take the swab, but actually the only things that we even are at the end of the day are able to look at under a microscope are the things that can live in the lab, which is not everything. Most most things can't. And then the second thing you said was a PCR test. So essentially what she's saying, listeners, is, taking a a little look into some of the genetics of the bacteria to identify them that way versus what's able to grow. Is that correct, Anna?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so a PCR is better than a culture test, but it's still not as great as what we use at Juno, which is next generation sequencing, because that lets you look at all of the genetic material of all of the microbes in a sample.
1: Yeah, Because it it would be like, instead of saying, oh, well, you're um, British, right? It being like, well, actually, yeah, she may have a British, you may have a British passport or citizenship, but like deeper down, you're an Afghani woman, right? Like, and you have that heritage and that ethnicity. And so that's kind of the difference, right? Like face value versus kind of digging in deeper.
0: Yeah, digging in deeper. And also like, if we're going to use that analogy, if you use a PCR test with the current vaginal PCR test, it would never even be possible to test for whether I was Afghan or not. I mean, it's a Uh, weird analogy to use, but (laughs) it would be completely missed off the list. And here I would be an Afghan completely, you know, being, yeah, um, Yeah. negative.
1: And so what are the current methods for fixing disrupted vaginal microbiome? So antibiotics are potentially causing issues. Can they also be the solution? And what are other
0: solutions you know yeah 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 antibiotics can also be the solution but it's important to have the right antibiotic so in order to get the right antibiotic you need to know what you're dealing with and what microbe it is that you actually want to kill and not just use you know your best guess um but you don't just always want to just be killing the microbes you want it to grow back in sort of the good uh, relative proportions of, of good bacteria, et cetera. So you might also want to insert things like probiotics, um, and prebiotics that feed probiotics. So probiotics are sort of all microorganisms, right? They're microbes that you introduce into your vagina. And then prebiotics are kind of like the food that the microbes need to thrive um but also when there are like more complicated situations you might have things like biofilm busters um, and a host of other things to help you manage um the process of getting your vaginal microbiome back on track but probiotics you know commonly get a bad rep because um it's an unregulated sort of industry right now so you never really know what you're getting but good probiotics um that are produced to a high standard can be really really effective in helping you get back on track
1: yes is there any are there probiotics specifically for the vagina i feel like i've seen that but do we is it you work in the space day and night, is that, are those probiotics actually tested out and true considering we don't even know what a normal vaginal microbiome is? How do we know we're putting the right probiotics in there?
0: Yeah. I mean, in general, you know, because we have some view of what a normal vaginal microbiome is and some of these vaginal probiotics, which do exist, aren't all bad. They are good. And if, if I, you know, if you were a Juno um user and you really wanted to use a probiotic there would be some that i could point you towards with some level of confidence and tell you that i would recommend it and i would use it if i were you um so there are some good ones and to be honest some of them you take orally some of them you can insert vaginally ideally if you're in crisis mode you insert them vaginally because that's the most effective and fastest route to introducing it uh into your into your vagina essentially um that yeah, they do exist, but they can be optimized. And they also have to be uh, the ones that fit your unique function. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking
1: that personalized microbiome flora, right? Yeah. What um, We've had somebody on the show talking about infertility in the bacteria in your vagina and that, you know, potentially that bacterial imbalance causes infertility. Are there other really major consequences of your vaginal microbiome being dysregulated or disrupted
0: yeah there are are quite a lot so there are over 30 women's health conditions in which the vaginal microbiome is implicated and we've talked about a couple of them in sort of what I call the this end of the spectrum right the beginning end of the spectrum things like bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections and recurrent UTIs but there are a whole host of others things like aerobic vaginitis and cytolytic vaginosis these are things that I wish women had in their vocabulary because it's important.
1: But we've never even heard those words. And I'm the host (laughs) of authentic podcast and I've never even heard those words. So please let's let's have a little lesson. Tell us more.
0: Um, Yeah. So depending on what microbes it is that are disrupted in your vagina, you will have different conditions. So cytolytic vaginosis actually occurs when cytolytic vaginosis actually occurs when you have an overgrowth of the good bacteria. So there is such a thing as too much of a Good thing is a bad thing, uh, and you might often confuse the symptoms of cytolytic vaginosis with a yeast infection. So you might be treating it with an antifungal, but all this time, the reason why you're having a recurrent yeast infection is because it's cytolytic vaginosis. So it's really important to get tested and know what you're dealing with in the first place. Could
1: probiotics be the bad solution then for that.
0: Probiotics would not be ideal for cytolytic no, vaginosis. No, because it'd
1: be like no. stoking the fire.
0: No, oh. and you know. You know, in general, douching is absolutely terrible and you should avoid it at all costs. But the solution that we see studied um in the research for cytolytic vaginosis is a bicarbonate soda douche so it's like a little bit of a nuance there when mm-hmm. it comes to even something like douching and I take you know I take I have a little um axe to grind if that's the term I don't know this is my second language <laughs> um, <laughs> with with sort of the loss of nuance when it comes to women's health um, you know your vagina doesn't need a whole host of these terrible feminine hygiene products that are on the market and douches, etc. But at the same time, your vagina isn't always self-cleaning, and you know you might not need douching, but sometimes there's like a little, you know, uh, caveat where you might. So, um, I, nuance is my favorite thing in this area. But to get back to your original question of, are there some serious complications beyond? you know, what we've discussed, the answer is absolutely yes. So a disrupted vaginal microbiome leads to things like pelvic inflammatory disease, infertility, um, gynecological cancer, preterm birth, infectious miscarriage. So the consequences of having a disrupted vaginal microbiome is very, very serious potentially in a lot of cases. So you you do want to make sure that you don't just dismiss it uh, is is my advice.
1: Um, Do you think, and this is just your personal opinion, like that there's potentially other chronic conditions women have that actually might be caused by an imbalanced vaginal microbiome, but we just haven't connected those dots yet?
0: I mean, if I mean the, the short answer is yes, right? What well, we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what we don't know. But I mean, the link between the vaginal microbiome, these conditions of the reproductive tract, are very obvious, right? It's direct. There's a lot of mechanistic right there, yeah, research yeah. that's yeah. gone on. Um, but beyond that, like, yeah, I mean, this, the research would need need to be done
1: because they're showing like the gut microbiome has to do with depression and autism, you know. And it's like, okay, well, then what is my vagina involved in, you know? Um, interesting. Well, um, you, I noticed on your website you had this thing called the Juno study. what What, what was the Juno study and what did you find?
0: So when we first formed Juno, I wanted to make sure that we really understood the best way to analyze vaginal microbiomes and understand it in a way that we weren't seeing in the literature. So we ran an IRB approved study. So that means, you know, we went through the whole ethical review board and make sure that the protocol was like perfect in every which way uh, possible. Um, and we had a thousand women from all over the US registered to take part, which immediately blew my mind. We were... Um,
1: how did you get them? them? How did you
0: register them or find them? Yeah, I would I would post on online communities, and one of the one of the really shocking thing that I discovered when I first formed Juno was that two thirds of women with a disrupted vaginal microbiome problem, like a recurrent yeast infection, will have depression and anxiety because of it. And so these women congregate in online communities to try and help each other and figure out how to overcome this very debilitating you know problem in their lives. And so it was by posting on these um, communities that I found the most traction in terms of uh, people registering for the study. We actually had a vagina party to launch the study in downtown San Francisco, um, which was a lot of fun. That <laughs> is awesome.
1: Yeah. I don't know how and why I haven't had a vagina party myself, but that sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, I recommend it. I made sure to do it on Friday the 13th to counteract, you know, every single nonsense taboo that we have. Uh, so it was, yeah, one Friday the 13th in sort of September of 2019 that we launched the study and conducted what we conducted. And what we learned from that um, was a lot. We learned about the technological hurdles of um, analyzing vaginal microbiomes. There's a lot of human DNA in a vaginal swab. So to get to the, you know, resolution that you need, you need to overcome and optimize protocols in the lab, etc. And we saw um, correlations between symptoms that women uh, reported and microbes that had never, never been sort of recorded before. We saw microbes that had never been Uh, characterized before because we were sequencing the genetics of the microbes really really deeply I have to Um,
1: pause you because this uh, this you're saying it so nonchalantly let me clarify what you're saying you you've sequenced a thousand women's vaginal microbiome and asked them about symptoms that they were experiencing in their life and then you compared them you can't probably make conclusions but nevertheless that's essentially what you've done
0: that's essentially what we did with the Juno study. Yeah. We that's both a really, rich and I agree. <laughs> that
1: is amazing. Like everyone, please, this is incredible. Like that's a huge, it seems so basic, right? You freaking, you know, it's like the start of any project is like, okay, well like let's kind of just go out to sea, put a rod in the water, see what happens, you know, but like you got to, you got to get that initial data to even start on any of this, right? Um, so kudos to you, by the way, just going to pause and say, you're a rock star. This is, this is incredible. So what else did you find?
0: I mean, w- we found a lot of the uh, problems in the, t- like the way that you analyze vaginal microbiomes, the kinds of problems that are associated with it, that women uh, that we're seeing in the study and um, really What we learned from the vaginal microbiome study, we we built a really rich repository of what vaginal microbiomes are, what they can look like, what kind of women's health conditions they can be implicated in, in sort of what way, and what therefore we should be doing in terms of how we in today so we have a product that was informed by the Juno study and the product and the way that we analyze the samples and the way that you know we conduct the protocols in the lab all of that was informed by everything that we learned from the Juno study and it was really really foundational in um, sort of counteracting what you you know you might have this there's this sort of general assumptions and consensus when it comes to microbiome science that is actually not accurate when it comes to the vaginal microbiome. And so what we did with the study was learn about the best ways to analyze these samples. So you might think there's, you know, types of sequencing, essentially. Um, There's targeted sequencing and there's what we call whole genome sequencing. uh, When it comes to the vaginal microbiome, the consensus is that if you use whole genome sequencing, you're better off because you're capturing not just bacteria, but also the yeast and the viruses in sort of like one step. But what we found is that there's so much host or human DNA that that's actually a really bad idea for the vaginal microbiomes. And if you want to provide the most utility today, you want to do a very Curated, you know, type of sequencing where you look at, you know, bacteria and yeast, and then merge what you find and give that to, to the customer. So we learned about how to have the most, um, you know, utility in terms of bringing this to, to women today. And it, it would, it would, it's sort of counterintuitive in, in sort of what we know about the science, but that's what uh, we discovered.
1: You know, it's a great example for all of you listeners on how to do a pilot study or an MVP, because before you fundraised millions of dollars and built and scaled a genetic based test, you before getting caught, you know, five years down the road being like, oopsies, we shouldn't be doing whole genome sequencing. You did the right scientific move and said, hey, let's do a mini version of this. Um, it won't be the best. It won't be pretty. It'll be chaotic, but like, we got to figure out what are the important variables here. And you actually figured out the the test to move forward. That would be best for your objective, which is not, Hey, we're just like researching and want to publish papers on the biome in general, of the vagina. Instead, you said, we're trying to make a diagnostic for women to have answers specific to them and quickly. Right. And that would be targeting sequencing the, the bio, microbiome rather than the also the vaginal tissues as well right
0: yeah yeah absolutely and I'm so glad that we did that study and I'm so glad that we had that insight because you know I would have made that mistake if we, yeah. we had not done it so yeah. um we've is learned it, a lot in that is process that,
1: is the study the reason uh did the study inspire you to offer what I saw on your website, which would look like a subscription model where you send a test to the woman four times a year. Um, is that something you learned from that study or something else? And why do you offer that?
0: So that we learned from the product, we saw that a lot of women use the product and then kept coming back to use it again after they tried an intervention. And so I wanted to make it as, you know, affordable as possible and make sense. Um, as much as possible for the women that were doing that. And so we uh, launched our first subscription service, our first subscription package. And so that's for women that want to have a test four times a year. And a lot of women will do a test, try an intervention for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then do a test again and continue that journey to get their vaginal microbiome back on track.
1: Hannah, I love what you're doing. I think I love bacteria. I love vaginas. um, And I love talking to people about both. So I'm not surprised (laughs) that the last 37 minutes have been awesome for me. Um, (laughs) uh, We do have two last questions, though, that our listeners love. And the first one is, if someone wanted to start a femtech startup, what is an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating?
0: I mean, there's so much, Brittany, that's a big question to throw my way. Um, But I will say that one thing I don't want to see happen is for femtech to be narrowed down into like the kinds of conditions, etc, that affect our reproductive organs. So femtech is a lot more than that right so it's also chronic conditions things like chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia that disproportionately affect women but we have no real solutions for like dealing with them so what i would love to see and you know if i was not building juno is um a focus on those areas of women's health as much as we focus on the reproductive tract and you know everything around that
1: absolutely i totally agree And our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful?
0: You know, honestly, funding. Um, So last year, the amount of funding that went to female founders or people sort of working in that space actually regressed in terms of the percentage of overall uh, things that were funded. And so there is, and I love that there is chatter and I love that there's dialogue and I love that there's awareness, but we need the money to back that up and the biggest most helpful thing that can happen right now for the femtech industry is to get the right dollars to the right people
1: great how has your experience been fundraising
0: oh my god like how much time do we have because when (laughs) i first started Brittany, i had people that didn't believe that women had these kind of problems they were a group of the same kind of you know white male if I may say so and they were like well I've never heard of this. And I was like, well, of course you haven't. And I was another sort of incident in, in a lift up to a board meeting, the final sort of I see with one investor. And he asked me not to say the word vagina, because it didn't sort of like fit well. Uh so fundraising, especially at the beginning, was very, very difficult for us. Um, we were met with a with sort of a wave, a mountain of um hurdles that you just wouldn't be met with if you weren't working in this sort of space but this was a couple of years ago things have improved but i'd love to see it improve even further and for us to be uh, funding these companies in a much more you know fluid way
1: aggressive manner absolutely i'm yeah do you have any uh one word of advice for anyone who's listening and is fundraising and it's their first round maybe and they're going out saying the word vagina and the room's going quiet (laughs) you know they're not getting calls back you have a word of advice or um, motivation for them
0: yeah stick to your guns say it more don't back (laughs) down like it'll only change if we if we double down on this so um yeah keep going
1: I love it I love it I love it thank you Hannah so much for your time today you are such a rock star
0: amazing thank you for having me
1: Thank you for listening to my interview with Hannah Jenebdar, the co-founder and CEO of Juno Bio. Be sure to get your vaginal microbiome test today at juno.bio. Use promo code FEMTECH for 20% off your kit. That's juno.bio, promo code FEMTECH for 20% off. Alrighty, fem fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review and share it with a friend. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org and join the thousands of other femtech founders, investors, and mentors advising and advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up for a fempro membership, only fifteen dollars a month, and get access to assets like our femtech company database and a self-guided femtech accelerator. Keep an eye out for our monthly Femtech Book Club, which happens the last Wednesday of every month, and subscribe to our newsletter. Last but not least, please consider setting up a recurring donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.